back again. It is me, your host, Chris Brown, here on another episode of Locked On Tigers and the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, yeah, it feels like we just spoke. But uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about yesterday's 9-3 thrashing at the hands of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, it was the last spring training game of the season, and it left the Tigers with an all-important 15-15 record in spring training. And then a bit later, I'm going to take a look at the top 10 prospects in the Tigers system with a twist. Uh, but first, of course, I just want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Tigers or any of the other find Locked On podcasts on the new podcast app Himalaya, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and uh, of course be sure to tell your smart devices to play the podcast Locked On Tigers. And you know what? Tell your friends. That would be great. I would appreciate that if you told your friends about the show. Uh, And I hope everybody's enjoying the show so far. You know, we've only done two official episodes, and I'll be trying some different things as we go along, like yesterday's silly little Civil War parody, and I do hope you like them, but I understand that sort of stuff won't be for everyone, including my wife. But hey, you you can't hit if you don't swing, right? Uh, I'm just trying some different things because we know this team is going to be bad this year. And I'm not the sort of person who will sugarcoat things for you and lie to you about the reality of the situation. I will try to point out the positives when they're there, but it's going to be a long year. And I'm just trying to do anything to put a smile on your face, whether that's a a few dozen double entendres during a live ad read, or I don't know, uh, like freestyle rapping an entire show, which, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. But uh, you know what I mean? Like this team's going to lose a lot more than it wins. So hopefully a little silliness will help us through the season. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the actual game now. The Tigers lost the race, as I said, 9-3. to And as always, uh, we don't want to put too much stock in spring training matchups, particularly the last spring training game of the year. But uh, what else are we going to do? This is uh, what we do on the show. So we'll start. We have to talk about Matt Moore, right? Uh, I don't really want to, but we have to because he's going to be the number five starter. Uh, so let's, I suppose we should start with some background on Matt Moore and for people who don't know about him. Uh, he was once a prospect in the Tampa system, and it's sort of crazy to believe this now, but at one time he was considered a top prospect in baseball. In fact, in 2012, Baseball Prospectus had him ranked as the number one prospect in baseball ahead of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. And that ranking was done by Kevin Goldstein, or at least headed up by Kevin Goldstein, who is now the head of pro scouting for the Houston Astros. And Moore was number two to Baseball America that year, behind Harper, but ahead of Trout. So the point is, uh, he was really highly ranked. He'd actually come up in 2011 and pitched nine impressive innings in the regular season, and then he was lights out for 10 innings in the playoffs. So this was like, sure bet, safe thing, gonna be an ace, uh, can't miss prospect. And then he missed, because that's what happens sometimes. And I want you to remember that when I talk about the top 10 prospects in a little bit. Uh, anyway, Moore was, he was pretty good in 2012. He showed promise for sure. With a fa- his fastball was 94.4 miles an hour, which was the third fastest average fastball in baseball for a lefty. That's that's nasty. He was right ahead of Justin Verlander at the time. Uh, but despite that velocity, his fastball was still relatively hittable. And we probably, we didn't know it back then, at least uh, I didn't. But looking at it now, it's probably because he had an uh, average spin rate on his fastball. But it also played down a bit because he struggled with his command. Uh, definitely with his control. He had the seventh highest walk rate in baseball that year. Uh, But the next year he made the all-star team and his stuff in control continued to falter a little bit, but he ended up uh, posting a 3-2-9 ERA. And if you care about these sorts of things, he went 17-4. and But then uh, 2014, he blew out his arm and had to have Tommy John surgery. And when he came back, the velocity continued to fall. His control strangely got a little bit better, but maybe that's because he wasn't throwing as hard. And he actually had a decent 2016 season between Tampa and San Francisco. But, uh, you know, last year he's pretty much the worst pitcher in Major League 
League Baseball, and I'm not, that's not hyperbole. He was dead last or close to last in almost every category. And for whatever reason, the Tigers signed him for one year and $2.5 million in the offseason, uh, plus incentives. I don't know why they did that. The Tigers seemingly completely misread the market, and I'll never understand what they were thinking, but uh, whatever. So anyway, all that out of the way, back to today, against his old team, Moore gave up four runs, three of them earned, on four hits and a walk, and it took him 70 pitches to get through three innings. I looked and he got uh, four swinging strikes in those 70 pitches, which is a 5.7% swinging strike rate. And in case you're wondering, the lowest swinging strike rate for any pitcher last year was 5.4% for Bartolo Colon. No one else was under 6.8%. Uh, and maybe you're also wondering what that means. It means you're not fooling anybody. And he wasn't, and he probably won't. And if this was any indication of what we'll see this year, I don't think he's long for the rotation and possibly not long for the team. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to cut him immediately, but it wouldn't shock me if uh, come July, he's pitching like this, he's in the bullpen or he's cut. Uh, so yeah, after Matt Moore was Reed Garrett, a guy we've talked about a little bit on this show, the, the Rule 5 pick, and uh, he got blasted too, unfortunately. He walked a guy, then he gave up two homers and a double. He got hit hard. Uh, the stuff was okay. I mean, you see what the Tigers like in him. He was sitting 96 with his fastball, and he got uh, three swings and misses on 25 pitches. They were all with his, his hard breaking ball, but his issue was command. He basically, he was fine when he was pitching to the edges of the zone, uh, but, it, but when he missed, it was dead down the center, just on a tee, and he got blasted. And that's the game, though, isn't it? I mean, you can have the best stuff in the world, but if you can't locate it uh, and keep it out of the center of the zone, you're not gonna you're not gonna amount to much. Uh, now, certainly, some of this is probably on the starting catcher John Hicks, who he's not without his qualities as a player, but game calling isn't really a strength. He's he's probably best not catching. Um, but after that, uh, things settled down a little. Victor Alcantara came in and got a one-two-three inning with a strikeout, and you know he's he came up last year and was really impressive. Tons of movement on all those pitches, and he should be a, a decent chip for them in the middle relief. And then Will Vest, who's kind of a complete under-the-radar guy, a 20, uh, 2017 draft pick in the 12th round out of, like, Stephen F. Austin. He came in and got a 1-2-3 inning, uh, showing a nice mid-90s fastball and a solid slider. If you look at his stats last year, they were really bad. His ERA was brutal, but he also was extremely unlucky. And one of these days I'll explain how that works. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. He's an interesting name going forward, not so much as a prospect per se, but kind of as one of those guys I expect other people to ask about in terms of, like, hey, is this guy a prospect? Yeah, like, I see that sometimes with a guy named Paul Volcker in the system, and I could see Vest being that, that next guy like that. But uh, So that's a, that's a lot of talk about the pitching, the bad pitching, for the most part. But what about the offense? Uh, it started off okay. Josh Harrison began the game with a double, and he's had a strong spring. I have to give him credit. I mean, I wasn't super excited about him coming, signing with the team, because it didn't seem to make much sense. You know, the Tigers are, are out there trying to lose, basically. Uh, but I've come around a bit. You know, he's a solid veteran, which never hurts, and you didn't have to pay him much anyway. And the other option is Dabell Lugo, who... Uh, proved pretty quickly that he's not a legitimate player. He might still in the future, but I, I'm not uh, not a big believer. Uh, Miggy, Castellanos, Nico Goodrum, Jordy Mercer, Mikey Matuk, they all got one at bat, which is what you would expect in the last preseason game of the year. And uh, Jamer Cantillero got two, including he did a real nice piece of hitting. Uh, they, they had him uh, shifted. He was batting right-handed, and they had him shifted, basically through guys to the left of second base, and he just reached out and poked one through the hole on the shift there, and, and that's the sort of thing you got to do to get people to not shift you and and you know we've seen some signs that Kendall Arrow is a good hitter and hopefully we'll see more of that this year uh John Hicks 
had a couple hits, including an RBI double. Like I said, he's not without his charm as a player, just just not ideal as a catcher. And then we got to see a little bit more good stuff from the young guys again. Uh, Brock Dethridge went one for three with a nice RBI single to left center field, and he showed off his wheels on a fielder's choice, actually. It looked like he might hit a ground ball, or ground, ground into a double play, as it were. Uh, but he got down the line in like 3.9 three, seconds, or even faster, which is uh, top of the scale speed, if, if you don't follow the scouting uh, scale. And outfielder Danny Woodrow showed basically the same speed on a couple uh, a couple ground balls, and he ended up going two for three with an RBI of his own. Um, let's see, the the team as a whole didn't draw a walk until the ninth inning when Jake Robson did it, but again, that's probably not too uncommon for the final game of spring training. You know, guys uh, guys are up there getting ready to swing the bat. They uh, they just want to get out of there, and uh, yeah, they want to go up to Toronto, where they'll be headed for the first official game of the regular season coming up on Thursday. And uh, now I have to say, I know this this next segment is troublesome to a few listeners, but uh, other people seem to laugh and have a good time, so hopefully we can meet in the middle. And speaking of meet in the middle, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. BlueChew is the better cheaper, faster choice. And once again, I thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So let's move on. I got a question the other day from my friend Rob that I thought was really kind of interesting. Uh, it was It's a great question and also a terrible idea, but basically he asked me if I could compare the Tigers' top 10 prospects to players the Tigers have had since 1984. Uh, and I say this is a terrible idea because, you know, scouts and evaluators they, they often do make player comparisons, although they say they don't like to. Sometimes they just compare bodies, and sometimes they compare swings or pitching mechanics, or sometimes they compare skills. But they shy away from making comparisons because they don't want to create unrealistic expectations. You know, nobody compares you to that guy who flamed out in AA. They compare you to major leaguers, and that's just not realistic. Um, and uh, and they certainly would never force comparisons, but I like a challenge. So let's go. I'm, I'm going to use the Tigestown Top 10 because that's where I work and write about prospects, but also because I think it's the best list. So let's start at number 10 with shortstop Winsel Perez. He's a young switch hitting shortstop who makes a lot of contact. He has above average speed. He should be able to handle the middle infield. He's only an A ball, and I do like him a lot, so let's compare him for now to Omar Infante. Uh, Infante wasn't a switch hitter, of course, but and I would never suggest that Perez will hit over 300 three times like Infante did, but uh, I think he does have the skill to be a, like a 270 career hitter, which Infante was. Uh, number nine, shortstop Willie Castro, who the Tigers got from Cleveland. He's another switch hitting shortstop, although he's a little bit more twitchy and athletic than uh, Winslow Perez, and he's short, shown a bit more in-game power. He's also older, but he doesn't have the same sort of bat-to-ball skills. You know, he kind of strikes out a lot. Uh, so, I don't know, for now I'll, I'll be cautious and compare him to Ramon Santiago. If that sounds bad, I remind you that baseball is hard. 
Uh, number eight is Kristen Stewart, who is uh, we've seen a little bit of. He's a power corner outfielder who doesn't hit for much average, but he will walk a little. He'll probably strike out a lot, and he's a well below average defender. And sadly, there are a number of, of options in the Tigers' history for players like that, including like Kareem Garcia and Pete Incavilia. But I'll go with Marcus Thames uh, to keep it more recent. Now, Thames is, of course, a, a right-handed hitter, but still big power, strikeouts, defensive limitations. Uh, let's go to number seven, outfielder Parker Meadows, their second-round pick from last year. He is a lanky, tall center fielder with plus speed, big raw power, a strong arm, a chance to be a plus defender, and questions about his hit tool. He's so young right now, that uh, he's got, and he's got such a long way to go, hasn't even started full season ball yet, that, that I can see his development going in any number of directions and his body going in any number of directions. Uh, maybe he fills out and becomes like a Brendan Bosch, or maybe he stays skinny and, and turns out that he's just a, a crazy base dealer like Anthony Ghost. But uh, I'll play the safe middle ground here, and again, this is unsexy, but how about Cleet Thomas? You remember him, right? And so let's move to number six, the right-handed pitcher Bo Burrows, their first-round pick from a few years back. He's a shorter righty with a plus fastball. He's got three other pitches that flash average, and he's got fringy command. So, I don't know, these are kind of tough to find, but how about we throw it back to Senior Smoke himself, Juan Berenguer. He started a lot for some good Tigers teams, uh, and he had a few strong seasons, but he spent the latter part of his career as kind of a long reliever, a super reliever. And I could see Burrows filling a similar role. Uh, moving to number five, we got Franklin Perez, the right-handed pitcher they got, uh, kind of the main chip in the just and Verlander trade. He is a strong, sturdy right-handed pitcher with solid command of four pitches that are average or better. He doesn't throw a splitter like this guy did, but how about we compare him to uh, Peaches himself, Dan Petrie. Again, these are some of these are kind of lofty comparisons. Petrie was a good pitcher, but, uh, you know, that's what the exercise is all about. Uh, number four, outfielder Daz Cameron. We've seen a lot of him in spring training. He's looked real good. He's an impressive player who shows above average speed and defense. He's got a solid arm. He's got burgeoning power, and he's got some feel to hit. Uh, people like to compare him to his dad, obviously, but Mike Cameron never played for the Tigers, unless I'm forgetting something. So uh, let's stick with the Tigers and compare him to Austin Jackson. It's not a perfect comparison. He probably won't hit quite as well as Austin Jackson did or be quite as elite on defense, but it's close enough for our purposes, I think. Uh, number three is uh, third baseman Isaac Paredes. And I need to tell myself to call him Paredes because that's how it's pronounced. I always want to call him Paredes. But anyway, this one is pretty easy. You hear it a lot. Uh, he's a stocky infielder who hits well and shows above average power potential, uh, particularly to the pole side. Uh, that's Johnny Peralta. Now, Peralta had stayed at shortstop and had a couple of really good defensive seasons, but uh, you know it's close enough. And here we here we finish up with the last two, and let's get let's get silly. Uh, number two is the right-handed pitcher Matt Manning. He's a tall right-hander with a fastball that sits in the mid 90s and a plus curveball. And there's really only one comp for that in Tigers uh, history, recent years, and it's Justin Verlander. And we'll leave that alone now because it's absurd. And then we finish with uh, number one Casey Mize, and it's another pretty absurd comp- uh, comparison here. But I don't know what you want me to do. I told you this was a terrible, dangerous idea, even though I. I enjoy it. Thank you, Rob. Uh, but Mize, another sturdy right-hander with a plus fastball and a plus splitter, that kind of has to be Jack Morris, right? Uh, so again, I told you this was a bad idea. Maybe one of these players meets the expectations I foisted upon them. And uh, you, you want proof for that? Matt Moore. And that's the show for today. Thanks again for listening. Uh, as always, I remind you to rate and review the show on all the various podcast platforms. And again, I like getting these questions. They, they help uh, help me discuss things. So if you want to contact me, again, it's uh, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com or at LockedOnTigers on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow when there's no game, but we'll figure out something to talk about, won't we? All right, see you soon.